Hi, I'm Thomas Cross Hoops, and I'm a seeker of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In my pursuit of truth, truth found me, and now I can't stop following him. Join me and my guests as we pursue truth together. I am excited. I have Pastor Chuck Ammons here from Overflow Church in River- Brandon. River- yeah, yeah, we're we're Valrico, but it's all Valrico all these cities together. Yeah, they're all similar. They're all close. They are, um, man. And he is a husband, a father, a pastor, author, a musician. I was listening to your music today. I actually like it. To me, kind of folky. I love that. Um, you're a lover of King Jesus and the Blessed Trinity. You you do a lot and. Um, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm so excited to be on. Love your ministry and what you're doing and excited to sit and talk today. I am excited. Um, I met you during a Brian Simmons um, message at the Resting Place Church in Tampa, and you had a word that the Lord gave you for 2023, and you said um, the Lord had given you the word decluttered, and it resonated with me immediately. I, I saw it all around my life, how, what the Lord was doing around me for the past few months. And I would love for you to share what that means and what that meant to you at the time. And, and Yeah, yeah I, I really felt what he was saying was, I'm, I'm wanting to remove from you what doesn't serve who I've made you to be anymore. And so this picture of like, even when you see clutter that gets in our house, we get things in and we keep going, well, maybe I'll need that again someday. And the next thing you know, it's three years. You've held on to this thing that really doesn't serve you well anymore. And he said, you know, that's true spiritually. I've given you a new heart. I've given you a new spirit to know me. I've paid it all. Like I want you to run and be agile in my kingdom. But for so many of us, we hold on to so much stuff that's like, well, maybe I'll need to preserve this thing for me again one day. So with declutter, what he said Mm was, I'm removing what's no longer serving who I've created you to be. So it's that real like live worthy of the calling. And and it's back to the simplicity of the gospel, right? It's it's back to if we're going to declutter, what is it? It's that we really come to the one law, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And and then out of that flows this love your neighbors yourself. But where it all starts is come and see how deeply I love you. Come and get under the fount where you see that I adore you in all of your mess. And then give everything. Don't reserve anything. You don't, there shouldn't be any clutter, right? Come give it all to me. And then from the fount of this beautiful place, if you can see how I love you, loving your neighbors can be easy. Right. And, and my notes, what I wrote was that you were, the Lord was removing anything that kept us from intimacy. So that lines right yes. up with what you're saying there. hundred percent. That's good. That's really good. So when I met you there, we spoke a little after and um, I was encouraged. I think you prayed for me and saw your book coming out. So I love, this is literally my favorite kind of book. I love, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, missionary kid, missionary myself. And I grew up just reading, um, these types of books all the time. Um, the pastor I served in Beijing, China, he would just make us on staff spend time Come on. reading, you know, Smith Wigglesworth and just awesome books and Jackie Pullinger. And so um, when I saw Entitlement, I, I bought it. I wanted to finish it, but I only got halfway through because it's not something you can just rush through. You really need to just go chapter by chapter. And um, I've got a little bit here, but so this is your current book that you just released. I think you have four or five. Yes. Yeah, so, so three now and a few on the way. Yeah. Three. Okay. So entitlement, you can share about it. And I got my little synopsis, chapter one, we only win this game by refusing to play it. And then chapter two, beast of burden. I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. So 
people can hear it. They've been seeing me post about it. Get the book on Amazon. I'm going to have links on my website, seekeroftruth.co. It's worth reading. It's just give you a little pause to you know, combat what we're dealing with in society right now. Yeah. And thank you so much for that. You've been so encouraging um, to me in that. Really, this book came because we are, we're in an outrage and offense culture right now all around us. And it's not like, you know, the world is in an outrage and offense culture. We're seeing it just as true within the church. Yeah. And, and so what we're finding, there's a, a few places where the Lord started laying on my heart these things like cancel culture, the place where all the time now it's like, well, if I don't agree with what you're doing, now we're not going to walk together. And we just keep reconstructing walls that we're, we're building yeah. between us and other people, putting people's in labels and boxes and stances. And when you watch Jesus's ministry, where he's leveling all of those, he's bringing women nearby, he's bringing foreigners nearby, he's bringing tax collectors and sinners and saying, the grace of God is vast, come and eat and come and drink. When I started seeing that, when I started seeing um, this, we're offended about everything, we're, we're wanting to cancel everything. Uh, one of the chapters I deal with is virtue signaling, the, the place where even when it comes to the positive side of this epidemic, it's we think that we've actually affected change in the world because we we posted whatever the post was you're supposed to post this week. OK, I did this hashtag. So therefore, I've really done something. And then you would know this as a missionary. A lot of times, you know, we could do something going on a short term mission trip. And I'm all about short term mission, long term mission. And right. really what I'm going to say is lifestyle mission. Everywhere you go, you live on mission for your king. But sometimes what ends up happening is when we get some of these like, well, I'm just going to go after a cause for a time, we stop seeing the faces of the people and we make even our outreach more about ourselves. So it's mm -hmm. look at how holy I am. Look at what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And so really dealing with that, dealing some with uh, there's a chapter I call Wikipedia PhDs in the book. That's like this point of now we live in an age where post enlightenment, everybody believes they're an expert. Yeah, right. And this is, just, and Thomas is me and you, we're just as guilty, right? It's, yeah. it's the point mm -hmm. of, uh, okay, I saw a documentary or I read an article and, and we live in this age where it's like, we feel we have to have an opinion about everything. Yeah. And the hope that I see to end entitlement is we've got to come back as the children of God to know who our God is, first of all, to know what his mission was about and to come back and recover that childlike faith and wonder that people could see our good deeds and glorify our father in heaven. And so um, even the, the chapter you were talking about with the, the beast of burden, really the, I really like that because I, I have, you know, 41 years old, pastor's kid, missionary kid sat under a lot of YWAM teaching. I've heard, I love, I love it. I've heard a lot of teaching. I've never seen any of that. And I really liked reading about the beast of burden. I thought it was really neat. And that kind of stuff makes me excited when I read stuff that's new to me. So um, it's, it was really cool if you, yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate well, and I, I, I love seeing it. It's, it's just the whole picture that the triumphal entry was Jesus coming to throw, overthrow a system that he's coming and saying, Hey, this, this system of scapegoating, I'm going to go outside as the final scapegoat, right? The, the cross wasn't to end God's anger toward us. It was to end our anger toward one another. And he said, I've come in this place. I adore you. The, the lamb was slain from the foundations of the world, right? Before he created humanity outside of space and time, he'd already paid for it. Right. Yeah. So when we look at this, he's saying, I want you to lay down your weapons and I want you to actually come and receive from me and allow me to carry your burdens. And I'm going to uproot and, and rip up religion. So that's really the heart. And I would say, you know, Thomas, if I had to, for, for somebody getting ready to read the book, what's it about? I would say it, it's about reclaiming the sense of our identity, both our identity and God's identity. What's the kingdom really about? It's not about building more walls, right? Yeah. It, it's about scandalous, ridiculous grace knowing who we are. And then I would say 
it, it's in this world of outrage, not creating more us and them, but walking in a place of gratitude and humility. Right. Right. It, it, yeah. How do we get to that us for the world instead of come on? The world? <laughs> that's it. That's yeah, the heart of the gospel. And that's and listen, yeah. that's what put Jesus on a cross. And we have to remember mm-hmm. that it was the religious people. It was the religious leaders of the day yeah. that it wasn't just they didn't recognize him. They crucified that's him true. as a son of the devil. Right. Yeah. Quoting scripture. So what I found in this is really I wrote entitlement mostly. I'm somebody who writes mostly to the church to live worthy of her calling, right? So I'm writing to all people. But if there's a a corrective lens where I'm going to bring, it's I've been a pastor at the the same church now over 20 years, been in the ministry over 25 years. I love the bride and she is beautiful. And yeah, there's still some places she's broken. But I know what Jesus has paid and I know what we're capable of. And so it's calling the bride up is really what what the book is. That's what I appreciate about your writing. Um, if you're intellectual and you want to parse words and learn, you can do that. And, and it's certainly a deep topic. It's a deep book, but it's simply written. And it's written where it goes right past your mind and right into your spirit, into your heart. And um, that's something that's important to me because um, sometimes the books, I mean, I love the old theology books. Some of the preachers I like, uh, you know, you, you know who John Crowder is, he'll put up some quotes that you can almost not follow because they're so crazy. And, and that's great. And I love that he de- delves deep into the early church and the early church fathers. But sometimes it doesn't have to sound so good to our mind. And those early writers, I love, you know, like I said, Brendan Manning's got these amazing, beautiful run on. Yes. But it's the simple message that God loves you as you are, not as you should be. That is what hit my heart every time he says 100%. that. 100%. You know, um, I love that. I love the simplicity. You know, Andrew Womack's one of my favorite Bible teachers, and that's that's what it's about. It's it's getting to the basics of the gospel and the basics of the scripture, and not changing it to be too intellectual for people to understand. And you do a great job of that. So it's still deep subject, but it's not. Um, you're not writing it to make yourself puff up right. or anything. So, well, thank yeah. I so appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'd like to obviously let you share anything your church is doing, anything that's on your heart, but. Um, as I was kind of looking you up to, you know, find a little bit more out about you before I had John, I found out about the book that you wrote, The Life in the Overflow, which just doing some research on it kind of related right to Caleb Hires and I talked about on the last podcast. And that's really the difference in my life now at 41, as opposed to a young adult. Um, I've had a lot of amazing God experience, amazing encounters a lot of inner healing and deliverance, but I had an identity issue where I continuously, uh, Andrew Womack called it a, a leaky bucket, and that was me. And so it's only new that this this new thing that's been happening in my life where you know I finally feel that I'm loved as I am and not as I should be. I finally understand what me and Caleb were talking about was that now I'm maturing, but out of a place of understanding my standing with God is already perfect. And so Caleb put words to something I've been sort of pondering for years, and it was that I'm not getting holier, but I'm getting um, a better revelation of Christ's holiness and Christ's holiness. And I was like, that was perfect wording because that's exactly what it is. It's I no longer feel bad that, you know, I know I'm not perfect. I know I have issues. God's working on my love for my wife, for my kids, that I'm more gentle, that I'm, you know, all the different things you're working on as character. But it doesn't mean it's your identity or your value or that God loves you any less. And that's what's new to me. And so Life in the Overflow, I ordered it. It's coming in on Saturday. I think I'm going to enjoy it because that's something that I'm learning to walk in now myself. So 
it said in there that you got this word, you wrote the book, and the church sort of took it on as a theme, and then the church ended up changing their name. I was reading about it, so share that. Story. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So it is Crazy Road. Uh, I will say this while you mentioned Caleb, one of my favorite uh, Caleb Hires quotes. Love that man of God. He says that that our life is really just a process of our souls catching up with the reality that's already taken place in our spirits. Exactly. And and that's what it's taken your me a lifetime to understand. It's like, oh, that's what's been happening this whole time. That's it. <laughs> and so if I go all the way back, so I've been uh, in ministry 25 years, long time that intellectually I knew I was loved by God, had memorized scripture, walked in great integrity, been through a lot of restoration, seen God move miraculously. I don't remember a moment as a child not believing in the reality of God, right? I'm, I'm grateful to have that kind of testimony. And I can remember from the age of 15 on this depth, this all-consuming depth that I just wanted to know him. And yet, I lived most of my life under an orphan mentality of shame. And I couldn't have, I couldn't have called it that. I couldn't have known. And so it was interesting because I was, this goes back about eight years ago. I was a teaching pastor at our church. The church at that point's name was South Brandon Worship Center. I was a youth and teaching pastor, loving my job, but my job was to build discipleship programs for the church. And Thomas, man, every single plan that I that I put together in graphic design looked like a stair step, every single one of them. <laughs> step one, step two, step three. And you know where that goes, because then somewhere you're seeing yourself, well, which step am I on? And which step mm. do I need to get to? And then it's two steps forward and one step back. And it it was this tireless uh, um, you know, never arriving, it, it, running on a treadmill is what I would compare it to. And so fast forward eight years ago, I'm going well-respected in our church, uh, a teaching gift, but, but I'm restless and I can't even put a finger on it. I just think it's normal Christianity. And I end up at this power and love conference with uh, Todd White. First mm -hmm. time I'd ever been to any event with him. And they're talking about how the stuff that we saw on the pages of the new Testament mm -hmm is still for today, and we can still see it through ordinary sons and daughters of God. I was all about it. I was like, yes, theologically, I'm so excited. And I thought, man, this could be the next step. I'm going to get my, this is it. This is the next step where I level up. They're going to give me some good training. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I got there, and there was no training, like zero. It was testimonies. And then he said, now we're going to go do this love and action thing. So this is true. Do you receive it's true? Go do it. Let's go love the city. And we're going to come back to your testimony. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And the funny thing was, so I'm going as the pastor of the church and brought our college group. So I'm, I'm the leader on this trip. And we start going out on these, you know, so I go on a, a lunch and a dinner and I'm trying to get out of, but again, I'm trying to climb the step. It's uncomfortable. It feels unnatural. I'm feeling the Lord's heart for these people that I'm with, but trying to figure out how to not make it sound like a used car salesman pitch. Yeah. And finally, where it, where it pushed over for me was we get to day two and he said, listen, I want everybody in the room to find somebody that you uh, don't know and go with them. And I was like, listen, man, my mom told me to never go anywhere with strangers. Like, I'm out. I'm not doing this. <laughs> and before I can get a plan, Thomas, I'm not kidding. Every single person, I think it was eight in our group, all seven of them ditched me to go with a stranger. And they ran up to me. They're like, I'm going with these people from this church. And they're gone. <laughs> and I'm standing by myself in this huge arena that's starting to disperse. And I just hear the prompt of the Lord say, I want you to go back to your hotel room. And mm -hmm. I felt so deflated, so defeated, corrected, right? Like, okay. And I go in and I, I can't explain it any other way, but 30 minutes alone in a hotel room. I played one song that they had played on the, uh, 
uh, in the worship set that I couldn't get out of my head called Come Away. It was one of those Bethel songs. And, and in a simple, non-dramatic moment, the father asked me, are you ready to stop being the defender of your reputation and to be the recipient of your identity? And I saw what looked like a, like a racing stripe on the carpet. And man, I just lunged over it. I said, yeah, Lord, I'm in. Before I realized that the window <laughs> to the outside was open, like all the people in the parking lot watching this lunatic pace around his room and launch over imaginary lines. And, and anyway, from the time I walked out of room 120 of the days in of Fort Myers, it took me two days to realize it, but, but the guy that went in never came out and something was different. And simply put, it was what we were talking about earlier. It was, I was just as much, if not more so aware of what a mess I was, mm. but I knew that I was adored by my father. I knew the radical affection that he had for me in the midst of my brokenness. And suddenly I saw and experienced that his affection for me was not based on my performance, that his finished performance on the cross was, it was, it was secure and it was real. And so for the next few days, I start ministering out of this place that I never knew existed. And, and we, I go back home. My wife is shocked to watch what's starting to happen. Things start changing in our city it just regular moments of the day are being interrupted where I'd see a homeless person. And, and you'll read some of the stories in the book that me and my son start walking through some of these pictures. And I just have to be with God, my daddy. I just got to be in worship. I just got to. Mm. So we searched for a word to talk about what was going on. And the only word we could get was uh, from John ten ten where he says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that you have life and have it to its fullest. This play realm this overflow. And so we started using the word overflow and we started having these overflow services saying this is available and this is here. And, and uh, long story short, what started to happen was these prophetic worship gatherings that we just put on top of our programming started becoming the culture of the church. Mm. And then I got really restless in a good way. I, I was at a point of like, I couldn't do ministry as usual anymore. I couldn't do the stuff that I'd signed up to do. I couldn't build more stair steps. I couldn't uh, stop reading the word of God. I couldn't stop studying. And I just wasn't trying anymore. I loved people with affection. And I suddenly saw this simple gospel that I had to preach. And it's almost like it goes from being, you know, the traditional American church with it's, we're really good at the programs. And, you know, I understand there's a place for all of that, but it, I struggled with it. You know, I was always difficult because when you grow up in a parachurch organization on the missions field, community was more important being a part of a group like YWAM where you witness a group of people in a room with 300 people and one person will share a verse and another person will do a song and you see the community come alive and they pray for each other and they, they live their life by faith. And then you come back to America and it was, I had such a culture shock in my teens when we came back and that was the beginning of a lot of, you know, issues <laughs> with, with my identity and with, um, with my faith, faith with the Lord and I think God's calling back regular churches to say, no, you don't have to be like a business, a top-down business. It can be a community of believers that are, you know, again, it's not, I lived my whole life thinking it was like a linear thing as well, right. where you're like progressing. But, you know, I love now that I'm on fire for the Lord and I'm part of the Jesus lab and the Lord's growing and he's taking back all the things from my past, the Bible schools, the giftings, the callings, the things I've walked in. And it's almost like they, I didn't have a gap or a walk away or a, because 
it's all for a purpose, right? He's still, the things he taught me are the, the years of study when I didn't know how to just be with the Lord. I had to study. I studied all the time. I couldn't read the Bible without studying and de- delving deep. And no, he uses all that. He yes. does it to mine now. And I'm enjoying kind of looking at it from a different perspective, but I'm seeing that in a lot of churches. So it's encouraging to hear. I see a lot of the churches um, that are connecting in the Tampa Bay area. And that's such a beautiful site, um, kind of breaking down that, a barrier of it, we're trying to build a big church. No, we are trying to build a church of Tampa. That's Bay. it. And I love it. Um, it's, it's really beautiful to see. And you're doing connected with what they're doing with the, um, I, I was saying it wrong because I had a different name, the, uh, to gather. Together, yep. Right. With, and so we talked about it with Caleb. So in a second, I'll let you share it, how you're, you're doing that too. It's really neat what, what you guys are doing. So. It's incredible. And you know, one note I want to make with, with what you were just saying about the Lord using all of it. Um, that was one of the things when I finally got to the place, there were some places and it was meant in love, but I would show up places and people would be like, Hey, it's Chuck version 2.0. And something grieved my heart when I heard it, not at them. I understood they were trying to honor me, but the Lord leaned into me and he said, Hey, I, I adored that guy back before Na- Naples. You didn't adore him. That was the problem, but I adored him and all of the character and all the hope. What's changed is your confidence, not your character. Right. Where so, your confidence is. <laughs> that's it. Right. You now your confidence yeah. isn't in you. Your confidence is in in me. Yeah. And you know that you're secure. But but what one of the things that happened was now when I opened the word of God, all those years of heartfelt mm-hmm. real because it was real. So people yeah. said, like, so was that like it suddenly became real for you? I was like, no, it had been real for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I was just living under an, an orphan mentality of my own shame. Yeah, it's a filter. It's it's filtered through something else, and that's really the difference. Right. And it, it's not to say you didn't have moments Correct. of intimate times or times where the Lord was using you to do miracles. Like, all of that can be happening along the way, but there's something that switches, I think, where, again, it's I attribute it to feeling just secure in my own yes. skin. And I can go back to my journals from 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, when I was really deep into doing the journaling and in the Bible schools. Um, I just would cry out to God. Like I wasn't comfortable with my own skin. I never felt like I fed in. I was, I had some identity or, you know, OCD issues. I would, I mean, politics and religion, I would just argue and fight and I would black out in high school. They, they had to give, um, you know, the, the, the doctor literally wrote a note that they couldn't kick me out of high school. They just asked me to sit in the hallway because I would black out and not know if I, if someone thought that I was wrong when I knew I was right, it I couldn't handle wow. it. I literally thought I was going to die. And so the healing God has done in my mind and my is incredible over the last 30 years. Um, but I just remember as a young Christian on YWAM in my DTS having these blackout arguments and not even remembering them. And my leaders having to pull me aside and talk to me because something inside of me, I believed in miracles, in the Holy Spirit, in tongues. And if somebody didn't believe what I believed, I couldn't <laughs> handle it because it was challenging exactly what I believed. Yep. And I would get in these arguments. And, and again, in love, these were amazing men and women of God, whether they believed in physical healing today or not. I didn't know how to handle that. Yeah. Now I'm like, what? I didn't even make sense, but it was where I was at. And I think I was stunted. I was very much living as a 17 year old when I was 25, 26, because I had so much bondage from that time period. So it's been 15, 20 years of inner healing and deliverance and growth. But I'm looking back and I'm like, I was zealous for the Lord. I was in so much pain. And I, I talked about it the other week with Caleb, I, that to know God and make him known from YWAM, 
I just needed to know God and Come the intimacy on. part. And we were young and we all wanted to go and do the stuff. And I just wish there was more of an emphasis at the time. But I'm sure people tried to help me see what was more important. But I just wanted to do the stuff. And um, it took a long time. But, yeah, now it's like, oh, it's all from a Christian from the Timothy Initiative. He said, uh, you, don't, you don't do fruit, right? You just have to abide in the vine. Like, Come on. And I was like, that's really good. And so I'm learning. And that's why, yes, some of the stuff from the Jesus Lab, it wasn't new information for me. I'm sure some of the stuff in your book, it's not new information. Right. I'm re I told Tracy this. I re I'm reading Dan McCollum's prophecy book on love. Mm -hmm. I read the first five chapters last year after the activate and um, I just kind of blew through it. It honestly wasn't any new information. I'm, I'm reading what they call the prophet Bible of Graham Cook that you can't even find anymore. The big one. Wow. So I kind of just read past it. Well, she reached out to me to ask if I could, you know, help get on the zoom call. So I I'm rereading it now this week. And I read it all in one, in like an hour. And I'm like, now I highlighted like now all these simple little lines are like, now they're more real to me after I've been going through the Jesus lab because I've had a lot more healing in my heart yeah. and I'm like, Oh, now that my identity is sounded and I feel that leaky plug has been plugged. It's different. And now I'm able to just, I, the Lord can speak to me through anything and I can worship him in any type of service. Now, you know, I used to need the charismatic Bethel worship now because of my travel. I could literally worship anywhere right. because I can just find the Holy spirit anywhere. Right. But I mean, I think it just took time and definitely, yeah, it's a process, but you know, talking about the inner healing and deliverance for 20 years, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Um, but I can tell that the Lord always told me your healing is training so that you can help other people yes. go through what you went through. And I'm okay with that. Yes. You know? That's so good. So, but yeah, it's a lot. Sorry. No, I love it. <laughs> I'm uh, processing to get out loud. I've been getting better at processing in my head, but I've, uh, I, I told uh, Chuck that I had a, a nice um, supplemental energy drink earlier and it got my heart going. So I got to, we're amped up. We're ready. Breathe in that piece. Um, so yeah, anything new going on? I know we've got the together coming up for all the group churches in Tampa. Um, I'd love to hear specifically oh. what you're doing in your church or yeah. You, well, together is beautiful. I know you would have yeah. talked with Caleb about it, but watching the genuine. So again, for me, Thomas, 25 years in this community. So four yeah. years ago, we became overflow church and I stepped into the lead pastor position and it wasn't just a rebrand. It was a total flip of our church. Yeah. But, but that said, I've been on the same physical property since 2001, um, just just here, and then in the ministry, you know, longer. I have never seen anything like what I'm watching right now in the unity, the affection, the trust. So even like I get excited about Together, where we're going to be on May 28th, but, you know, I get to see it from a different angle. So monthly, mm. I'm with 35 or 40 pastors from around our city every month, and it's like... Mm. Um, it, it, there are about six or seven ministers connections all around the city. And you're watching bands of brothers and sisters coming together on this very deep level of trust. And so what we see, I think what we get most excited about on May 28th is it's just a, a family reunion of bringing these churches together, but we're watching them partner. We're watching them um, really minister and walk together. And the eye is not saying to the hand, I don't need you. And because of that, that is so sustainable. I mean, how does that not so draw the breath of revival and it's real so well because the heart is pure i like what caleb said that you're not uh, bringing in a name speaker you're not 
um, naming your own churches. Right. So you're just the Church of Tampa yeah. Bay. I mean, because I we haven't been able to go yet. We've always had a family. Something's gone on the last two years where we couldn't go, so we're going this year. And, um, you know, it's it's beautiful to see. My father was a part of, in the 70s and 80s, of a lot of Jesus wide. He was involved with the Jesus walks and stuff. But my dad's one of those humble men that never needs credit, doesn't try to draw attention, but he was connected to all these pastors in Tampa. And it seems like in the nineties and early two thousands, there was a lot of disconnections. And like Caleb said, some breakups that happened where instead of new churches, they were actually like split. So yes. whereas now, like he was talking about how he got blessed by grow life and K, uh, pastor James Dodsway to go, that that was actually a blessing versus a split. Yeah. And that's what we want to see more of. I like that. I like that model that you, if you're a secure pastor, you shouldn't feel insecure. If you're a youth leader, somebody wants to go to another ministry, you should bless it. Oh my gosh. What is going on? I don't know where that switched at some point that people wanted to grow big 2000, 10,000 people churches without blessing their own people to go out. Right. Like, well, and, and I think it's that same. still stay connected. But, it's that same maturing. Right. And we come to the place yeah. to actually move beyond sentiment because, listen, anybody, churched or non church, can smell through insincerity. They can see that yeah. a mile away. But when you actually are saying, This is my brother, this is my sister, like the level of depth of affection I have for the resting place, your home church, um, and where you are, you're at the Tampa campus, right? With Jimmy and Gigi. I'm actually went out to support Joel to start the Carol. This is what so I love. I do. I do go to um, a lot of the stuff I've been doing the Jesus lab and activates with Tracy. So yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's my dad was always my pastor. I came back really a mess. And then my parents came back to America right before me and my wife got married 10 years ago. But my dad was on staff at Bay hope church for this whole time. Wow. And it's his first time he wasn't a head pastor. So they, he was in charge of like the, you know, all the different pastors conferences and different things at the church. So him and my mom were at a church last year at one of those big conferences. And in his seventies, they felt God was stirring them back to become, you know, do a ministry. So my father and mother just took over a church in the beginning of January. So I'm trying to plug him in with what's going on. And um, yeah, Tampa TBCC, Tampa, Tampa Christian. It's right there on Fletcher and Domebri. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, so it's a little small church and dad wants to see it grow with families and grow. And it's, you know, he's in his seventies and he's stepping out to start another, to go, not start, but um, do the, the thing again, do the church. And so I see that um, as, as a beautiful, cause it's right across the street from where we're meeting with the Carolwood one. Wow. So I want to connect Joel and we want to get stuff together and do stuff. So yeah, it's, it's neat. Well, that's that. what I'm loving watching. Is there such affection across the board and such respect such partnership so that the thing I get excited about what's happening, like together on May 28th just gets to be our family reunion. But, you know, we're even doing that quarterly now. We're coming together quarterly as churches. The, the level of unity is unbelievable. So I'm thrilled about that. Um, and those have been at your church, right? Some of so the they, they're kind of moving around the city. So we had one. Because I think I had been to one at Overflow. Is that was there one last year at your church? We did. So that was like we a, do a good a Friday. Premium. We had a, a shared good Friday service. And we've done a few other services, but, but we've had, um, we had one at the crossing. We had one at South Bay. So yeah, we have just loved watching the trust that's come as beautiful. So that on a community level, that's what I'm fired up about. Um, you know, on a personal level, Thomas, it's been in this last few years, finding my own lane within the kingdom. Like, what does it look like for me? And most of what I find that I do now, it comes down to two things. It's showing people the goodness of the heart of the father and the greatness of our unique voice in him. So 
you know, again, this plays right into that unity thing. But it's if there are two things that I'm regularly coming around, any message I'm going to preach, any book I'm going to write, what's the motivation? I want people to see what I saw in Naples, Florida, that our, that our daddy is really, really, really good. And in fact, beyond that, it, I used to be terrified of God the Father. But that was before I realized that Jesus Christ came as the fullness of who the Father has always been, right? He, he says to Philip, if you've looked at me once, you've seen who the Father's always been. And once I saw the picture of, oh, Jesus is the unveiling of the image of the Father, man, that's incredible. And then the picture from, you know, where you go from that to then people understanding, okay, and I've been called in the Father, and I've got unique gifts. So I just love watching and celebrating people's unique voice in the kingdom, the various parts of the body, uh, and just see them thrive. So everything that I'm doing in ministry, both at Overflow and then even where I'm uh, writing and, and putting out resources that way, that's what it's all about. That's perfect. I think one of my kids tried to come into my office and they left the door open so I can feel the heat coming in over there. And uh, I'm like telling my wife, kind of messing I saw it in your face for a minute. I saw something's happened, but he's going to tell me if there's a problem. Uh, that's so funny. I was actually looking to the right. Um, I got a couple different thoughts going, but earlier I wanted to mention to you, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of or know who Floyd McClung is from YWAM, Floyd McClung Jr. I know a lot of the, the founder, the head of the underground church knew who he was, but he's one of the hidden generals from YWAM. He passed away, I believe, last year, an amazing man of God. And um, he, he wrote a lot of books. He pioneered some of the father heart of God. And when you when I started your book, I immediately thought of this book I'm, I'm reading. It's called Holiness and the Spirit of the Age. Mm. And almost felt like God was stirring me up. I know I'm supposed to be writing books to the body like you do. That's the type of stuff inside of me. It's what I should be doing. I'm, I got a lot of outlines. I'm working on stuff, but I wanted to write revisiting holiness in the spirit of the age. He wrote this book in like 1970s or 80s, literally describing how the American culture, the Western culture specifically, um, can really keep us from living the kingdom life. And just, you know, it was he obviously he this is the guy you might have heard some stories about him if you, you know, if I tell some of them, but he was one of the guys he met. I think he was just a YWAMer. That was one of the original ones that partnered with uh, Lauren Cunningham, had the hippie communes in Pakistan, started the ministry for the red light district. of Wow. So a lot of people heard about that. And he lived there with his family, you know, just ministering to prostitutes and street people and working with YWAM and um, just an amazing guy. It was a great experience to get to know him and read a lot of his books as a kid. And um, as an adult, he, you know, he ministered to me in some of my brokenness in like 2008 and nine. And, um, but that book, it's powerful. And what you were writing in entitlement reminded me of some of the the stuff you were saying was like literally what he had written in there. And it is our culture, the Western culture in specifically, it is, you were talking about giving up rights and a lot of these things. That's, that's what he wrote about. And I'm, I'm like, this guy wrote this in like 70s or 80s, how regular TV was a distraction. You know, he does no idea what was coming with social media. I mean, this is 50 years ago and he hit the nail on the head. Like I, I'm rereading it now for the second time as a long time ago. I tend to read four or five books at a yep, time. Yeah, me too. Pick them up and just highly, I just love how God will use like, oh, I'm reading this and this and this and they're all connected and the Holy Spirit is pretty cool. But um, I thought of you. So yeah, I'll have to connect you to him. You can still find some of his books oh, on I would, Amazon. I would love that. But he, he was his father heart of God is one of his famous. So that, I've got that here. The other one is somewhere, uh, but he's, he's, you know, he just wrote a lot of books on those topics and he would minister to the father's heart of God and just, you know, he just wouldn't say anything. And the 
somebody he would hug someone in the ministry time and they would just break down well that that happened to me i was so church hurt and in 2008 i was at a conference in holland with um with them and I, I just I, I remember being in a Bill Johnson conference at Bethel and because I was a missionary I was able to be in the, the, the room with all the pastors and I'm speaking up of the hurt, right? And I asked Bill Johnson, I'm like, how can you be around all these leaders and stuff that don't believe like and I, back then it was if you didn't believe in the Holy Spirit, right. you didn't believe in Sozo. And so that was me and Bill just didn't just disarmed me, you know. To be honest, I think about this. I was in Dothan, Alabama with my friend Christian and we, there was nowhere to stay. We drove up in faith. We stayed in a morgue. Somebody oh let us stay the night. And um, I got put on stage to sit behind Bill Johnson. And I was manifesting the whole time. I don't know if it was what, but apparently his presence with the Lord. And I'm looking back at it like, oh, my God. But, I mean, I had so much bondage and stuff in my oh. life. And this was like, this was probably 2010, 2009. when I, I came back April 1st, 2009 from the missions field, just a mess. And um, so that story was to talk about Bill Johnson. Same thing happened in YWAM in 2008. I'm in this conference and I was hurt and all this hurt came out. And Floyd McClung was the first one. He didn't counter me like a lot of American pastors would do. He didn't challenge me. He just looked at me and then he just hugged me while I cried. And I was like in front of like 15, 20 young leaders, like young adult leaders from like the Dutch Christian movement. And I'm just like that. That did more healing in my heart than any pastor tried to tell me. Yes, you know. And I was in my early 20s, and you know, back then, or I, I was probably 28, 25 back then. I don't remember 2009 or eight, but no, that might have been 2005 or six. I did my DTS in 2005 in YOM, so I kind of bounced around until I came back, and it's been a journey. But wow. um, it's exciting to see that, um, like you said, like. And Caleb's talking about that maturing is happening now because I can stand on who I am rather than striving. I mean, I was always had wisdom and discernment. I had gifts, but they were all flown out of that insecurity. So when you're trying to, I'm reading the book about, yeah, if, if you're that person that has to tell all the stories of all your miracles, instead of telling them as a testimony that people need to hear, you were telling them to, yeah, they were true. Dan McCollum's like, yeah, it was, or I think it was Graham Cook or Dan, and I'm reading two parts. The <laughs> yeah, they're true stories, but why are you telling that? Or why do you, every time you see me, you have to tell me that same story. And it's like, I've, I've done that. You know what I mean? Like, I think- they're true and they're exciting. And it was cool that it happened. But there's a right time for them and a right place and the right spirit or probably, you know, right spirit to say it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think all of that comes back. I mean, for me, everything I see is through the lens of an orphan spirit and then walking in the depth of knowing who your father is. And so it's like when you look at this picture of even some of the stuff in entitlement, dealing with first world problems and stuff like that, that a lot of the stuff that that we even call and obviously there's great trauma that we can go through. But we also live in an age where we're calling everything trauma. We're calling ever yeah. like, and most of them are, we're the richest 1% of the world, right? We're, yeah. we're getting angry sometimes at God for answering our prayers. We're asking him to grow us up and then difficult times come and we get angry at him. And that all comes back to this orphan mentality. Yeah. And so I, I think the place where my heart always goes is if we could understand the depth of how the father loves us now, yeah. we'd be able to breathe we'd be able to mature. And I think even that it's the grace of where we don't. I love, I love your humility and sharing that of like the positioning that we can find ourselves doing when we come into some circles. Well, this is what I'm doing with God. And this is where I'm important in the kingdom. And this is what's happening. And those are just evidences of our, our growing up. It's a, it's an yeah. evidence of, Oh, I'm not yet secure in this area of my life. Yeah. 
that I'm really being held. So, or you notice that you're secure in a lot of areas, but then you get around maybe a leader or somebody that you really look up to and you notice, oh, that's where I was still having to posture. And it's like, it's just new to just feel so much more peace. And it's like, oh, yes. so nice. And like, yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice. Definitely. So I'm trying to think about the other, there's two things I, that I thought about with you earlier. One was the book. So yeah, I definitely want you to just see his stuff. I think you'd enjoy him as a, as a man of God. He passed away recently. Floyd McClung left a legacy with, um, he founded something called all nations based out of South Africa after YWAM. And the, he did some church, small church, house church movement stuff. So that's how the underground, um, founder knew who he was and just amazing man is he lived his life with humility and love and, um, great example for, for any, anybody that wants to, you know, read some good books on the father, how to God or love is Floyd. Yes. McClung. Um, I think it is junior Floyd McClung. Sometimes he has junior on there. Sometimes it says Floyd McClung, but, but good stuff. So you said you had a couple, um, books in the pipeline. What's, what's, coming? yeah. So I've got a book I've been working, uh, over five years on a labor of love that will be uh, called reconstructing dad. And it, it really is the picture of, so I grew up without a single moving picture memory of my own father. And so I didn't realize how much that had changed the way I saw God as father. And so it was after having my kids, I've got five biological children and my family is a, uh, we're a, a foster family. We foster to reunify families. And so fatherhood, man, is, is my life um, all the time. But I had grown up with this very orphan mentality of God as father because I had seen an angry father in the Old Testament, the way that I read the Old Testament, and then loving Jesus in the New Testament. And really reconstructing dad was this picture of, of, you know, Jesus shows up in the Emmaus lens in Luke 24 and says, you know, you've missed the fact that the whole story has been about me. And if you could see that, and then you understand that we still read a lot of the Old Testament the way the religious leaders who put Jesus on the cross did. That, That should alarm us, right? But Jesus comes back and says, no, I'm the hero of every story. Stop making your Bible heroes and stop making them just leadership lessons. See me in the pages of scripture. So I took five years um, just in the writing process, not just the, the lifetime of study, but five years in the writing process of going back and saying, okay, if Jesus is the heart of all scripture and Jesus is the key that unlocks the father, what is he saying to us? So it is a book. And in fact, it ended up Thomas being so uh, so much uh, weight to it. I'm having to split it into two books, kind of an orthodoxy and an orthopraxy. So, wow. so the first book is Reconstructing Dad, which will come out. It's written, so I'm really just waiting for the right, you know, we're going through the editing process right now. It'll come out later this year. And that one is all seeing the entire scripture through the lens of Christ. Okay. The second one is going to be called, and this, this title isn't um, for sure. This is the first place I get to share this, so thanks. Um, the second one, which will come out next year early will be called probably creation is groaning, uh, from Romans chapter eight that says that creation is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. The world is crying out for us to know who we are and and to call them to the same, to know they're adored. So that side of the book is if, if this picture of reconstructing dad is true, what does it change in our relationships in the world? And so, you know, I deal with a lot of things there that the father's heart for his daughter's I, I deal with in that. I deal with racial reconciliation in that. I, I deal with orphan ministry and just a lot of justice ministries that are happening in that book. So those are two that are coming up down the pipeline here in the next year. That's good. It's good stuff. Well, I look forward to reading and promoting them. So that's awesome. and Good deal. The orphan spirit, man, it's been 
20 years of talking about it, dealing with it. I don't know why it just took um, just some level. Like I said, the information with Jesus Lab isn't new, but I recommend anybody go through some type of discipleship program with their church or their parachurch organization when they're ready to respond to what God's putting his finger on because, um, and, and I may have been so tied up. I mean, I was like a ball of yarn that was so tied up that it, it took years of, you know, one little thing at a time. Um, but, but to get to that place of just responding to whatever the last chink is to where you're like, the lights go on. I don't know what it was, but something happened from last fall into this spring, into this beginning of the year that just was, I was different. And to speak with my older sister in the Netherlands, that is a worship leader and to have her notice like this calm on my life that I'm not amped up on energy drink, you know, just something's different about me, my mind to have all the peace. I definitely had, you know, anxiety, depression in my brain, demonic oppression, and um, only going into worship would be where I could find peace and then respond to the Lord. And I, I share that all the time. I don't think enough people know how important your corporate worship is because it's in that place that so many people can find that peace that they're not finding in their homes and in their daily lives because that's all those demonic spirits are. They're whispering spirits. They're lying spirits. They cause confusion. Your sin, your shame, your guilt will cause all these different body ailments. I mean, I used to have hooks in my body. Like I would feel like I had festering wounds in my back when I was dealing with sun issues, sunship issues 15 years ago. And, but again, I would go through inner healing and deliverance. I'd get some sort of resolve, but it was never that leaky. It was never plugged. And something's happened where now it's like, yeah, sure. I'm not perfect. I don't feel like I've done anything better. I just feel like, thank God that he placed me in Christ that I can come boldly before the throne as Graham Cook boldly shouts thank god that my holiness isn't dictated by me and it's, it's just this theology game i've been playing for 30 years studying the word i never thought it sat right this idea um to be holy be holy be holy do good strive it's no it's 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 got to come out of a place of being who you already were in that sanctification and, and caleb and i were talking about it that if you're you know i said if you're trusting god for faith for salvation I said you have to trust God for justification, but Caleb helped me understand the difference. The sanctification, you have to trust God right. for the sanctification too. He sanctified us. And I guess it's just, it's sort of gotten in there. And now I kind of feel like I'm even. And now the sky's the limit. And now we can partner with Cairo's time and bring heaven to earth and all these new cool things and all the things I believed in. And all my old, you know, giftings are starting to come up and prophesy over people and pray for people. And I was, I had hardened my heart so much. Um, they always called my mom weepy Eve. My wife last, I am so sensitive. I'd cry at commercials and America's got talent. And now I'm like, I was talking to Tracy about it. I'm like, I thought it wasn't okay. I always try to put on a strong face, but I find that I'm feeling people's stuff. And yeah. I feel God's heart for things. And so I was praying for people at church the other couple, like a month ago and somebody requested me for prayer. And I was, you know, I just felt the Lord, this woman had cancer and all I could do was just hug her and cry. Mm -hmm. I just hugged her and cried. And I'm like, I didn't think that was okay. I thought you had to be stoic and no, like God often does that where he's cried through me for abortion. He's cried through me for, you know, when I was in Amsterdam through trafficking and I was in Lakeland, Florida at a conference, um, at a church and Patricia King was talking about abortion and I just started bawling and screaming and they tried to bring me in for the deliverance. And 
Patricia King was like, no, that was a cry from heaven from your spirit. And I'm like, I knew what it was, but they had me fearful. And so he's starting to soften me up again. And now I'm starting to be sensitive again. And I'm like, oh, I'd hardened it for so long. Yes. But it's like, that's how God created me. I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a middle person. I'm like half creative, half not. I'm a hippie at heart. I, I came back to James Dodds church. That's where I first was going with um, my sister was going there. So I was from the missions. So I'm walking around barefoot, lying on the floor, being myself. And something happened where I started closing off and guarding myself and being more, but God created me. I have tattoos. I have a piercing. I'm very conservative. I'm like, I'm a conundrum. I'm not, you can't put me in a box. And I put myself in a box in yeah. my hurt and shame and guilt. And now I work a, a you know professional job. I'm in sales, but I'm becoming free again to be me. And that's yes. what I with my kids. I can shout, I can sing at worship. And it's, yeah, it's nice to get back to the childlike things that I was doing and knowing that that was who I always was. You know, when God draws me to the floor, I don't care where I am. I'm going to lie on the floor. Yes. You know, I, I remember when I left that church, it was like my last Sunday and, and multiple people came up to me and just, you know, this is 12, 15, whatever, 2012, 13, um, just thanking me for that. I worshiped God so freely back then because it helped their husband. And I'm like, well, I was just doing what I felt like I was supposed to do. But then I hardened myself. And it's like we need each other because being around free people, you start to become more free. Yeah. And that's just where I'm at. I love being with the churches, um, meeting you guys, meeting the different churches. I went to abide for um, for a, me a meeting with our class. And I just been experiencing something with Graham Cook. It was actually that that word where he said, God comes with you with the light and says that I placed you in Christ so you could come boldly before the throne. I walked into the room. It was during that revival that was going on and Abide had a worship thing. And I just immediately felt the presence of God. I'm worshiping. I had this thing where I always could only connect with my head in the heavenly realms. Well, somehow when I fell down and was praying there, it's like my whole body was in the heavenly realms. I was seeing colors. Yeah. It, was, it was like something better than any mushroom trip. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this is just because I'm in faith coming boldly before the throne and getting out of my mind again. And so I'm, I'm in the process, but I'm enjoying it. And I'm, you know, I'm asking the right questions because I used to be a loner and I used to do my own thing. And now I'm like, I can be a part of a church. I can learn to use my giftings with the body. And so I'm asking Tracy questions. I'm asking Caleb questions. Like I tended to be prophetic. I tended to be black and white. I know I'm a redemptive prophet. I didn't know how it fit in. I was a very wounded person. I was very judgmental. Well now how do, so I'm learning. Like, yeah. I'm, I have a call for my city, but I have a call to the nations. I gave it up. Oh, I can still go travel and do stuff with. So yeah, I'm talking. A lot no, about well, I'm, uh, I'm just thinking out loud because I like the partnership I see with the churches and I'm excited to continue to worship with you and with different churches. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, I gotta tell you, one of my favorite words in the Bible is the word righteousness in the new, new Testament and righteousness means to be put back in the package as you were originally intended to be. And, and I always think of like, if you think the old school dress shirts, when you go into like a nice men's store, right. And you you know, the dress shirts that had like, Plastic, 50 yeah. clips in them and pins and like it's all been held just right and you know the minute you take it out and try that shirt on there is not a chance in the world like it's over right yeah. but god says that's what i've done righteousness is i i've put you back as you were intended to be you're back in eden mm. and i've done it that's taken place yeah and so even sanctification we talk about it it, it is it's our it's our coming to awareness and maturity of something that has already happened that god has already done yeah. And he says, I've, I've made you this way. And the reason that matters so much to me, even to the part you were talking about, because you got into some of the stuff I, I get really passionate about. Colossians 127 says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. 
And that's a specific word. So, so Christ and Thomas is the hope of glory. And Christ and Thomas looks different than Christ and Chuck. Yeah. It's a different picture. Just like I have five children. They are not carbon copies of one another. And, and, you know, what I would say when people say, what is it like to, to parent each of them? I say, if you have one child, then you know how to parent one child, right? If you have two children, you have two entirely different strategies of how you parent those two children. They're, they're different souls. They have different gifts. And so when you look at the Lord saying, I'm delighting in who I made you to be, and there's this glory that if ever there's going to be the hope of glory on the earth, then I would say this to you, Thomas, but I would say to anybody that's listening or watching, if ever there's going to be any hope of any glory, mm. then there's a part of that that has to be expressed through you, yeah. right? That, that Christ in Thomas, the hope of glory is different than Christ in Chuck. So it, there's no scarcity in the kingdom. And it's so vital that when you show up and say, I'm a redemptive prophet yeah. versus, you know, I'm a corrective prophet or versus I'm an, you know, see myself as an evangelist first, instead of all the limiters of I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not that. Yeah. It's the point of, oh, I'm a redemptive prophet because there are going to be doors that need to be entered that need to hear the redemptive prophetic voice yeah. of the Father. And I'm invited and I'm needed and I'm wanted. And I think the, the problem that we've had in the American church is this whole commercial picture that we've given of this is what you're supposed to look like. And every brand has had that, right? So you walk in a church yeah. And that's even the whole problem with the, we put one pastor up in front of everybody. Yep. And even in some churches, you see that they start to hire a pastoral staff and they all sound like the one guy. I've talked about right, that. the carbon. It's something off because they had, they're not being their authentic self. Correct. And, and they mean, well, there's one that I know now he does so much good. But when I was around the church, something was off because all the young people were trying to, they sounded the same. And I'm like, that's not. That's not right. And there's no maturity there, yeah. right? The blind are right. leading the blind into a pit. So, so one of the things we've talked a, a lot about is at our church is being a fivefold church, right? Ephesians chapter four talks about God equipping the church where we wouldn't be blown to and fro by releasing five graces, the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, um, the pastoral and the teaching. And he said, these graces are needed. Well, here's the deal. Just like you said, you're coming in as a redemptive prophet. This is what you see really, really well. But our community is not going to be whole unless you can be free to be that. And then we can have somebody over here who's very pastoral and somebody over here who's a strong teacher. And it's the yeah. point of what can happen if, if we would all step into that. And it's not this or that, but it's I need this and I need that. Exactly. And, exactly. And, and I think it's the point. If there's a word of encouragement that I would give anybody listening, the word of encouragement would be Christ in you is the hope of glory. There is something that is inescapable about the way you're seeing the kingdom of God about the way you're seeing God, about the way you show up. And if you'd even slow down and go ask the people who love you, what is it that changes when I walk through the door without trying? Because that was what really changed for me after being in Naples was, it, yes, God has always given new gifts, but it was really the things that he had put in my DNA from moment one mm. that I could suddenly walk in and him going, okay, I've made you to write songs. And I stopped writing songs out of rejection because my songs didn't sound like anybody else's songs. So to hear you earlier go, hey, man, it's like a folk thing, man. I like it. Like that to yeah. me is hope because I'm like, yay, yeah. because I'm just trying to be yeah. me. I'm not trying to get on the radio. I'm not trying to be heard. I'm just trying yeah. to be. I really enjoy that style of music. I only had got to listen to two songs because I was doing a couple things today, but I got it on my Spotify. I'm going to share it on the website. Oh, man. I, I like it. I, I do. I love that stuff. Well, so when I said Redemptive Prophet, when I read the list, you can always see the two that you're strong, like Redemptive and Exhorter sort of my two. Um, I didn't really understand all that that meant, and I just I, I needed. The Lord told me like 15 years ago to study this. I didn't obey, 
I keep kind of picking it up. I've been mostly focused on what I was, but I'm learning a little bit more about them. We don't honor them in the body because what, what do we honor and who do we give the microphone? It's always the, you know, the shepherd and the teacher, and we don't honor the mercy and the servant and the ruler. We don't understand. And so people like, um, you know, Arthur Burke is probably one of the most founding, um, people that understands it and understands the call on cities and countries. And I, I know I need a, God's told me to study it more and I didn't do a good job of it. And I'm called to, but that's what my question was with Joel or with Caleb. Like how, what does that look like? Cause I've always had a strong personality. I've had strong giftings. People used to try to like promote me. And I told God, no, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I said, I'm going to live out of my character, not my charisma. And I went on this journey and I've had, desert places i was in the cave for so long it was only a couple years ago he he was telling me to come out of the cave i mean i had hidden myself i had stopped flowing in any giftings i was so hurt um when i first came back and i found a church i really loved with uh oasis of tampa bay with pastor dan and pat i loved being there but a lot of the members would just want to draw on the giftings of that i had when i was just trying to i just needed to be loved on and healed up i was a mess man when i came back in 2009 but I love serving with Dan and Pat. I learned so much and I enjoyed helping them put on the conferences and got a lot of ministry from the guest speakers all the time. And it was a good time. But um, finding out that the redemptive prophets primary goal is, you know, bringing people into their destiny, into their dignity. That makes sense. And I've always had this thing where I would look at people and I would I would hurt when I saw they didn't know who they were or I would be in a big church, like a big secret friendly church. And I would see all these people and I felt like they were spectators in a spectator sport. And I could see their giftings and callings and something inside of me would feel like God's heart for them. But I didn't know what to do. Um, You know, it's just this process that I'm growing. And it's like, okay, now what does it look like with my own church to start to grow in that and being a part of Jesus lab, being a part of the ministry now learning things. I'm enjoying it. But um, I, I knew I was confused because there's so many people out there that their mercies, their servants, their rulers, their exhorters, they don't know. They don't quite fit in because we more honor a certain grouping of those redemptive gifts. Even when I asked Caleb, he's focused on the fivefold. He hasn't really studied the seven redemptive gifts a lot. And that's something I feel the Lord is saying it's time to study because we need each other. And not all of them are going to be in the front of the church. They might be in the marketplace and in different places. But to me, the redemptive gifts, they're the preconception gifts, God. That's that's why you see all these people that are, they. I call it tendencies because I used to think everyone could sense the Holy Spirit like I did and was I didn't know that that was me and that not everybody but there's tendencies they all have and the redemptive prophet tends to be sensitive in that way so but yeah when I read it I know that's who I am but then how does that play well with my church I'm still learning and I think the church is still learning right I'd like to see it done healthy because we always focus on the fivefold but there's a reason that there's the sevens all over the scripture and the seven spirits of God. There's a reason they're, they're all connected. So I would love to parse that out with you and, uh, and, and dig a little deeper in it sometime. Yeah, man. Well, and I, and I think it's, it is so needed that that's the beauty of the living word is there's always more, there's always more, there's always more, but really what it all comes down to is, is for us, the childlike faith, if we could be at the place where we could honor the diversity that God has placed in us and not just honor it, but say like parts of a body, like these parts are indispensable. We desperately need them the way you see the kingdom of God. We need it. And, and one of the things, and whether, however you're looking at diversity in the kingdom, right? Whatever lens it is. um, People have asked us as a church because we're very diverse in that way, diverse in expression. And people say, what's it like to be a part of a, you know, 
of that kind of diverse body. And I said, you know what? It's beautiful and excruciating. Right. It's both of those because what it means is we're all going to be a little bit uncomfortable all of the time. But for you being a teacher, you have a lot of grace for other things. A lot of times teachers, they get, you know, when you hear them talk about this in the redemptive gift teachings or any, they, they're designed a certain way for a reason and they think and perceive a certain way. And so they don't always do well with the prophet or, but you have that grace to be able to see and probably relate well. And that's just a maturity. That's just knowing who you are, because I think it's all about the wounded. The wounded people don't so the wounded prophet is the worst. And people often misunderstand the redemptive prophet as someone that thinks they're a prophet. No, I'm not yeah. talking about it. It's just a gifting. And it's a, you know, you know what I'm talking yes. about. The wounded, any kind of prophet is a problem for the body because they, but I know so many because they were difficult. They don't fit in with the box of the modern American church or a teacher mentality pastor. So there's so many wounded prophets and God's calling them home and saying, you have value, your voice matters. Right. And that's what I'm seeing. Even in Jesus, we have a couple very prophetic young men and their voices are being restored and you should hear the things that are coming out of these guys. It's beautiful, but they were both crippled in their identities where they didn't know who they were. And they are like, a new creature. They're a chiron. Come on. It's amazing to see. And um, man, if you were there this Tuesday, I have to say, I did not look with my spiritual eyes. I did not see this coming, but it was just a beautiful time of worship. And the students led ministry to themselves and the wow. maturity in the room. I was like, I told India and Tracy, I was like, I honestly didn't look with my spiritual eyes to see this was coming. I didn't see the background of what God was doing because it was beautiful and wow. just a wonderful night. And that was at our class on Tuesday night. Praise so God. We're, I've been telling everybody, get involved with some type of a, if you have to do an Andrew Womack school from the internet, whatever, get something that's going to challenge your identity and challenge you to respond to the Lord. And none of this just, I'm getting a degree this is something that is to challenge you to, to come into alignment yes. with who God says you are. It, well, we need it on two levels. So, so we need it on a personal level, and then we need it on a community level, right? Like Those both have to happen. And so that's why I love what you guys are doing with Jesus Lab. I love the picture of where that's going. There's so many great ways that churches are walking that communal sense of yeah. how do we do that. You know, For our church, we do that through missional communities of, of just really coming together. Um, and one last one I'll mention just cause it's come to me like three times. So I promise I'm not coming on to try to promote books. <laughs> the Lord, the Lord handles all that. But one of the ones that we wrote right after life, in the overflow, uh, me and two pastors of our church, we wrote a 50 day devotional. It's actually just called the life of the overflow devotional. But the reason we wrote it is going right back to what you were saying is a 50 day identity devotional that was designed to do two things, um, in, in getting people to know what the scriptures have to say about your identity in Christ. Who are you now? So who is he and you and who are you and him, right? 50 days that slow down of like, okay, I'm God. What does that mean? And then the second thing we wanted to see was how can we give 50 days that are all about learning to hear the voice of your father? Because when you talk about those that are wounded, what ends up happening when we're wounded, sadly, is we'll look for the group in the community. Hey there. Oh, sweet. Um, we'll look for the group in the community to um, to make us enough. And that's a never-ending fountain. It'll never be enough. Right? When you look right. to people to affirm you, it'll never be enough. 
Exactly. So, and that was my whole life it, until you, and I had Jesus telling me to come. I don't want you to filter through man anymore, right. through the guests, through the, I, and it was a process to break that off. Well, because um, we, again, that's tangible. We see it in front of us. And then what ends up happening is we're always the victim and it's always that church's fault or that pastor's fault yeah. or that and drama just follows us. So yeah. the personal part of that is if we can get still and learn to hear the voice of our father and really discern it and learn his adoration for us in all of our mess. Suddenly, there, that's one level of security. Sadly, and that's why I love that you've talked about the Jesus Lab, is sadly in this a la carte Christianity place where you hear people go, well, I don't need to be a part of a church to go to heaven, which I think is entirely missing the yeah. point. It's about heaven getting into you, not you getting into heaven. But And yeah. everything that we read in the New Testament is about a family. He's building a family and a yes. body together with the I can't say the hand, I don't need you. Um, this this point of the communal where you say, no, if, if, if Christ in you is the hope of glory, there's this picture of Christ in a local body that changes a region. There's a, this picture of several local bodies who then come together. And that's where we start seeing this yeah. major awakening and revival come. And and I'm excited in Tampa. We're watching it, and I'm, I'm thrilled with what yep. God's doing. It's really good. I, yeah, I'm sure if you have to go, we can get to the end here. Um, I appreciate you giving me the time. Uh, we will do it again because I tell everybody, um, Pastor Joel from Carewood says, I want to come on once a month just so we can talk. So anytime you want to share about something or catch up, we get on. I love it. We're in month. We're in month two. And I'm seeing it just kind of progress where I'm getting better every week at my off, you know, off computer stuff, the editing and the production side. So I'm learning, um, definitely still catching up to some of the stuff George was telling me, George Wood from oh, I love George. Uh, Sober Truth Podcast. And I'm like, he told me to just make sure you had the um, foundation set before you started doing the guests. And I took a couple months, but um now I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get the flow. I've done a couple overseas interviews with the time difference, and I'm, I'm trying to figure it all out. But I just love that God has introduced me to so many amazing men and women in my travels and missions, and I want to give this platform for oh, people Lord. to share testimonies and truth that will invade the atmosphere. Because when we're speaking, when you're sharing you know, personal stories or testimonies or about your books, it's, it's going to pop in the atmosphere and, and, and hit people. So, Come on. Um, definitely have you back on at some other time. And uh, I want you to pray. Yay. Prayer. So release a prayer. And then we'll, um, we'll, we'll go to the, what the God's doing next for you tonight. All right, man. So, Father, I just thank you so much for Thomas and his heart and what is happening here. Lord, I bless Seeker of Truth, the place that it's going. And I'm asking, just as you've been faithful to bring him uh, sons and daughters, not only who are our listeners coming, but partners that are coming to share. Lord, I just pray that you would just expand the tent pegs, bring more. And I pray that you would expand the message of hope. And Lord, now for each person that is listening, I just ask, uh, and I, and I want to ask if you're hearing my voice in position to do it, just lay a hand on your heart. And I just ask father, God, would you come in, in a fresh new way in this moment? Would you let your son or daughter know the word beloved? Would you just speak it over them? You're my favorite. I love you. I delight in you. I desire the best for you. I'm pouring out unbelievable, overabundant grace that never runs out. Father, I pray there'd be a fresh revelation of that today. And I pray, Father, there'd be a fresh revelation of each person's particular voice. We just stand in any place the enemy has come to lie or assault. We know he does that because he's terrified of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we just say in Jesus' name, any place the enemy has come to lie, belittle, or silence the anointing or the confidence of your spirit in your children, 
May that be broken, may it be bound up, and may it be silent. Father, may you come for your kids right now to be able to hear, hey, and even in this still small moment, would you just lean in and say, you're great at this. When you walk through this door, something changes. When you act in this way, just in the simple way that Thomas talked about going on a, uh, a prayer response and hugging and weeping with somebody, sometimes we don't recognize the glory in us, but Father, I'm asking that you would give a great confidence, and I'm asking this week a great confirmation from all around that you would come to your sons and your daughters and again and again and again say, this is who you are in the kingdom. This is who you are. And Father Thomas and I, we join together blessing every listener right now. We bless every single person coming. We ask that they would walk in the fullness of their calling and their identity in you and the fullness of your delight in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord, I appreciate it. Lord, I just thank you so much for um, Pastor Chuck and Overflow Church. Lord, I thank you that they've been faithful with their portion of the wall. I just see that you're, you're giving them the ability to influence the portions of the wall to their left and to their right, Lord, that they've been faithful and they've built a strong wall and you're giving them the keys to build the wall next to them, that, mm. the, that, the, that the resources have been there, that we don't need to reinvent the wheel, Lord, that you're actually going to be giving them more influence in their region. And I just thank you, Lord, that it's not a competition, that, that other ministries and other nonprofits and other uh, parachurch organizations in the Central Florida area would, would come into alignment and agreement yes. to, to be in partnership with Overflow Church and Pastor Chuck, Lord. And I thank you. I just see um, your influence uh, growing in the, in the social media and, and more the, I, call, I see the internet. So I just see you growing an influence in the internet. Lord, I just thank you for this time and this opportunity to spend just talking about you, Jesus. You are the reason for the season. You are the one true God. You've, uh, you've changed our lives, and we don't ever want to stop um, including you in our daily life. And I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the Come world. on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hi. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe to the Seeker of Truth podcast. And also visit our website, seekeroftruth.co, for more information about all of our guests and how you can hear more from them. I pray this conversation encouraged, uplifted, and inspired you to pursue truth at a deeper level.